I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. When it comes to the Brady Bunch, there is always a story to tell. And in this week's episode, we kick off with a two-part conversation with Peter Brady himself, Christopher Knight. In part one, Chris shares his theories on why the show continues to appeal to generation after generation, how he finally came to peace with the fact that it was always going to be part of his life, lessons learned from the late Robert Reed, and how, as a teenager, he desperately wanted the show, and especially the Brady Kids concerts, to be over. In leading into this, uh, <laughs> I do have to say, is it amazing to you that, like, do you ever have a Michael Corleone complex? that every time you think they're out when it comes to the Bradys, you get pulled back in? <laughs> well, you know, I made peace with this quite a while ago, so it's not like I look at it like, God, oh, they're pulling me back in. It, it's almost as though I laugh at it. It's it's like a seven-year cycle where it cycles out and cycles back. This, I think, is the last cycle, and it's a wonderful birthday gift, uh, you know, celebration of sorts, a, a um, uh, an acknowledgement um, of the the history of this show has grown to mean more, you know, than just a television show. It represents a piece of Americana and a, and a piece of what America wants to believe, you know, it is, it's a reflection of their, you know, of an inner feeling of, of, of Amer- the American family. Um, and that's good. That puts us in a, you know, favorable position. Frankly, the show at the time it was produced was already at that point, a, a, a nod to the, not even the, the, the near past, quite distant past, well, not, not, not too quite, but 10 years earlier. Yeah. I mean, frankly, that type of family, that type of unity, though still in existence, was quite a bit different during the late 60s, if you remember correctly. I was, you know, when we were worried about having to go to Vietnam. Um, and, uh, and and if it's bad now, it was worse then, yeah. you know, uh, politically and socially. Uh, but you wouldn't know it from the Brady Bunch and, and, and <laughs> the, the, the household that, that we were depicting. It really was a throwback to the late, the late fifties, early, early sixties. And, um, there's some brilliance in that because maybe it'll never be that again. There's going to be a lot more cynicism and sarcasm, uh, in any comedy if it's to work, uh, because the simplicity of the Brady's is, um, is for children similar in the way that Santa Claus works for children. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's something that parents, um, jump in with and enjoy with their children, uh, that's Santa Claus. Um, but similarly to that, the Brady's is for the parent, that kind of, that kind of connection back to their youth. Um, and there's a similarity with the way that they viewed the world as a youth. I mean, certainly at four, you're not aware of, uh, you know, social ramifications or geopolitical issues, or even p- perhaps, I mean, I know growing up, I was kind of surprised at the economic um, uh, realities of our family because that's not that's not where a child operates, right? I mean, right. unless you're definitely on the the survival end, then you're aware of it um, all too aware of it too early. But um, if you're getting by, a child doesn't really have an idea of what you know what massive amounts of resources are versus just enough resources. Oh yeah. Um, so. Um, you know, it's it's a simpler time, you know, and, and that's what the Bradys represent. And there's nothing, there's, there's almost, it's not like it's going to get pushed off the shelf. It's almost as though that ex, that that um, conveyor belt stopped. 
and it is sort of locked up and that is the epitome the last of its type everything else now is, is you know is you know it is it's more it's more cynical it's more it's more sarcastic it's funnier i mean our show wasn't essentially funny but it was for it was for four, five, seven, and eight-year-olds. Right. And kids want to, you know, love to watch kids. It's, it, it actually takes the – today you would find that in, a, in something cartoon, um, you know, uh, or, or like a, a Hallmark, you know, th- uh, Santa. Right, you know? right. It's more of a Hallmark version of family. Uh, but that's great because that's, that's what kids want, and that's what parents want for their kids, you know. Um, my own mom, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know what mom, even if they're, they're you know, sort of a – a caustic, acerbic, you know, intellectual, you know, if you've got a four-year-old, you're probably, unless you're, you know, um, Joan Crawford, um, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of, you, you sort of want to keep that world at bay from your child. If yeah. You're healthy. I mean, so, um, you know, so, so allowing the Brady's to touch your children at five, six, and seven is something you want to do versus, versus, you know, perhaps something else that might cross them up a little bit too early. Yeah. So even if you're not a fan of that kind of simplicity, um, there's nothing harmful in watching the Brady's. Right. Right. So it, it, it becomes a, it becomes a, a cloud, a safe place uh, to go. It's like an old sweatshirt of sorts. And so the fact that it comes back every seven years makes sense because it keeps getting recycled. Parents remember it. They remember it fondly. It, remember, it reminds them of a, what they say is a simpler time, but I would imagine any adult after becoming one looks back, no matter what, what era they were born in, looks back at their childhood as a simpler time, unless they were yeah. really abused. Um, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm naive there. You know, no, I think you're absolutely we right. We have trended. You know, society's made made growing up a lot easier than it used to be. But uh, absolutely, you know, it's interesting too that you're talking about the Brady's and what it sort of represents as the last sort of vestige of that type of show. It was pushing against while it was on the air, and and I say pushing against, but in the sense of they were airing at the same time. You were watching the transformation of television while the Brady's were doing their thing. In the sense of we were getting Mash and All in the Family, and suddenly TV was growing up in a major way. And here was this show that still survived and still did okay and still managed to last uh, the five years that it did uh, against it. And I find that an interesting juxtaposition between that type of show and what was changing in television around it. Well, and we were we, we were probably well placed in in the uh, in the week um, because we struggled to stay on. I yeah. mean, we were though we probably we had forty million people watching us. Um, the, uh, the audience, the available audience was like 180 million or something like that back then, right. maybe 200 million. So, I mean, we were pulling 30 shares and, you know, getting up to 40 million people viewing us, which was, would be an audience today you would die for, but we weren't a top 20 team, uh, uh, team. <laughs> <I'm watching laughs> a top 20 show. Right. We were top 30 show, top 40 show, but the, 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 um, the cutoff really was, you know, stay close to the high twenties, thirties, um, and you're pretty much guaranteed to stay on. You drop below that, and you know they'll look for something stronger to put up, uh, uh, you know, put on the air. It, it, we won our time slot for a number of years. First time that ABC had done that. I mean, that was so. So we were we were lucky in that we were on ABC. We were ABC at the time was a, you know, uh, wasn't a brand new network, but it wasn't. 
it wasn't thought of in the same way that NBC and CBS, who had you know a, a much longer legacy, ABC was relatively new, and um, and not in all markets yet. So we were with an upstart network that hadn't yet fully fledged itself. And on Friday night, we found a home. Kids are home, uh, and we ended up winning the night for ABC. First time ABC would win a night until um, until ABC. I, uh, well, it was right around the same time, but a couple, I think that um, Monday Night Football began in like '71, '70 right. 70 or '71. So um, it was soon after that that they would then, you know rule the day on a Monday night because of that. That wasn't exactly creative programming. No. It was creative programming, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't scripted stuff. Right. But as a child show, we could win Friday night. I doubt we could win any other night. And what was, what's interesting is there was the counter programming that finally caused us uh, to leave the air was, uh, was Sanford and Son, yeah. which wasn't really the same audience at all. <laughs> Not but, at all. you know, you can see in that, that, an adult controlled at that point the the um, the television, yeah. You know, uh, and then so if there was an if something else more adult to watch, uh, that it looked like there was an audience out there to watch it that was that was home. Anyway, we we you know for five years, the five years wasn't a bad run, and uh, but we were other than I think our fourth season, we were picked up for you know half seasons at a time. It was never. As though oh, wow. you're doing so well, we'll pick you up for an entire, you know, 22 episodes. We'll pick you up for 13. We'll pick you up for another nine. We'll pick you up for 13. We'll pick you up for another 10, depending on the year. Um, it was sort of always that. And and after five years, frankly, I'm glad that it ended when it ended uh, because of where I was in my life. And um, the show was hard to do as I was getting older because it really – it needed to deal with things that weren't important to me anymore, uh, but that seemed old to me because it was a child show, and they were looking for ways of of um, fixing the aging arc of the of the of the stars of the show. Cousin Oliver, uh, growing out of the audience that the right. show needed to uh, uh, needed to play to. So yeah, the Olivers. There was the one episode. Uh, Kelly Kids was the name of the episode. The pilot. Uh, you know. Well, it was a pilot built into the Brady Bunch. I'm not sure. I, I don't think it ever got flight. It was interesting because they hired a Michael Lookinland's younger brother to play one of the kids in the in, right. in the Kelly kids. Um, but uh, perhaps to, I believe it was to serve as a pilot, um, a soft. I mean, I, I mean, it's sort of a, a backdoor you know, pilot. I think they call it. Yeah, right? backdoor yeah. pilot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, never did turn into a series, or maybe maybe it did have. Uh, 11 episodes or something that I just can't really. He did. My understanding is, and I, I don't know the name of it, but Sherwin Schwartz turned it into another show years later that only ran for like 11, but it had nothing to do with Ken Berry or those people. It was just a variation of what he had come up with. Now, am I correct? That was uh, Joyce Boulevant too that was in that? Was she the star? Was she the mom? I think so. I have to Because what's up. interesting about that is that was, that was the other mom of the of Sherwood's cast, you you know the history of the casting of the Brady Bunch, right? She was Being the original choice, right, for Carol, or no? Have well, we... there was two casts. It depended on whether or not they got Bob Reed. So Bob Reed came with four brunette boys if he signed on. In the event that he didn't, they had, I, I mean, who was the blonde? James Francioso or James Franciscus? Franciscus. Okay. So James Franciscus 
was uh, the other choice if they couldn't if Bob couldn't drop, and for that they had uh, a cast ready to go, um, or selected, not not given jobs, a blonde voice, and Joyce was the was the mom as a dark haired woman with brunette girls. Wow. So he had inverted the the casts depended upon where Bob Reed fell. And Bob Reed didn't want to do the show. They were throwing it to him because, you know, he was already an Emmy, an Emmy nominated. I don't believe he won it. Uh, Lee J. Cobb or um, for the Defenders. Uh, it wasn't Lee J. Cobb. It was um, uh, E.G. Marshall or no? E. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess because they both have two initials yeah, before their name. Um, E.J. Marshall already, I think, did win uh, an Emmy for his role in The Defenders, and Bob Reed was nominated and didn't. But nonetheless, that show had then um, become deceased. Bob Reed was was uh, you know sort of a hot commodity. He had filled. He had taken over for Robert Redford on Broadway in Barefoot in the Park, um, and uh, from that got The Defenders, and you know was regarded for that and then you know that was off the air and i uh not barefoot was it barefoot yes barefoot in the park on stage and so then he was um i guess he did the defenders first or it was an overlap with the defenders and doing barefoot in the park for for robert redford and then barefoot in the park was coming to television and bob reed was was going to uh play the role on the television series until from, they from, made it an African-American cast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. And, and, and in making it African-American, Bob was, uh, was obviously out and free, but that was Paramount who made that change. So I don't know if it was because they had already had him to some kind of deal that they had to find something else to put him in. Um, but the other thing they asked him to do was this Brady show. He, you know, he's like, <laughs> you don't work with children or animals, right. you know, and this show is in his Filled mind in simple, <laughs> trite. He's not really, though he's, he's got a daughter, not really, um, you know, he's, he was a, he, he was a, he was a wonderful person, but family, um, traditional type family wasn't, you know, his arc. No. Um, so none of it, none of it sort of spoke to him. Outside of the fact that you know it was a pay, it was the big payday, it was weird coming from this show which had no budget, but somehow <laughs> right. the Paramount had to pay him that because <laughs> they owed it to him yeah. for his deal that went south on on uh, Barefoot in the Park, and I'm not privy to any of the business machinations there, but um, it, it freeing him up to do this is what lent them to believe they could get him, but in the event that uh, he ultimately he. He couldn't be convinced to do the show because there was that question. They had this other cast, wow. and I believe Joyce was that, that that person. I got you know get all this from Lloyd, and and there was um, when Sherwood was still alive, he wrote something on that in his book. Um, it was very interesting, you know. Absolutely, all of it along the way, everywhere at every turn, it's luck. It's nothing that I could have done any differently. The fact that I was working at all as a child was luck. Um, you know, I could barely talk and <laughs> be an actor. Um, so, um, but you're amazed Rob was, did it though. I mean, given how much he well, hated yeah, the show, question, isn't it? he hated it so much, you know, he had, he had a love hate with it. He didn't, he didn't respect 
the the show. He didn't respect um, Sherwood. Sherwood created out of a completely different place. Sketch comedy didn't have to hang together. There was no real. There was really no character there. Um, Bob, you know, was an actor. He liked to dissect the character and you know build uh, build a life that made sense, and it sort of had to hang together. And of course, Bob was making. Um, this project much too serious. He didn't know how else to work, but his frustrations were able to be lived out. I guess not that I ever saw it. I never knew anything about their their um, their contempt for one another until I became an adult and would read about it and right. heard about it. Because then, adult issues and, and concepts were 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 shared. They they weren't as a child, and they did a really good job of keeping it. And Bob was, would would have had to have been a person in that cooperating to make sure that we didn't see it. Yeah. There was there was like one time when he decided that he wasn't going to continue in a particular episode, and he kind of stormed off. But wasn't it the last know, like, episode? Hmm? I thought it was the last episode he walked out. Yeah, it was. Think, it, was yeah. it was. Was it the, it was the one with the hair with uh, Greg? You know getting, you know, having some kind of tonic on his hair that turns it orange, I think, or had something to, I think the goat, I don't know what, one of those, but he just found it ridiculous. And he walked, I had no idea he had walked out. Uh, I really, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't like loud screaming, shouting. Like I, I remember from home. I, I, I mean, I, that was a fight. Those were fights that I could recognize. Right. If there was tension, I wouldn't even recognize it. It didn't raise level to what I understood as a fight. Right, right. It was ever pre- tension. Tension was ever present. That's what actually was nice about having a job to go to. The, the family on the set was a much healthier, warmer representation of family than the one I had at home. Right. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that, why he did it, you know, it, it's anyone's guess. I, I do know that he ultimately, uh, and it didn't take very long, really took to all of us, you know, and uh, became a, a guardian, a, a protector artistically. You know, it was from him as a child that, that I learned um, that, that, my, that my point of view or that I had a point of view right. and that it mattered. It was the first time an adult had really, you know – kind of given me a choice and not that my choice was decided on, but the fact that he asked me like right. in a scene he was directing and uh, certainly he might've taken too long to direct shows and directed it with a lot more, um, um, I don't know, depth than other directors because they sort of knew what they were dealing with. Right. And they had three days to do it. And so it spent too much time, but you know, from this little actor that I was becoming, you know, the questions that, that that concerned him and like we're, how do you see this playing out? I think it was the the way you might have phrased it mm. slightly differently. But where, where do you think you would be if you came in? You know, and it's like really, <laughs> obviously right. that's going to slow things down a bit. But it's like okay, because I'd always thought it was really stupid. We'll be just stood in a semicircle, you know, four of us, uh, and um, and the and the camera, you know, was pegged down and we just kind of talked to each other over our shoulder. Uh, There was nothing real about, about that kind of uh, simplicity in that kind of direction. It would, it works on our show, but uh, the way that Bob wanted to do it was a little more real, a little more more organic. And that's when I learned about the organic thing and, and, and that my, that I could have an opinion and that it mattered, even though I was a kid and that, and um, that was really huge for me. He didn't know that. I mean, he didn't know that what we, what he was doing was, was 
you know, that 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 he lit that he lit something in me. Yeah, absolutely. Validation, validation. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Hey, look, you know, if his problems with the show, whatever, weren't you got the problem of you guys? He kept it away from you guys. So as far as you knew, everything was fine, and that's kind of the way to do it anyway, right? Right. It, it exactly is the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, um, an adversary for me. Um, I, I mean, I, I learned a lot watching him, um, pride in work and all that other stuff that, that, you know, he had strengths and, and Sherwood had strengths. Now, right. gr- granted, I think that if, if Sherwood was able to be, um, countermanded and, and, and Bob would have ruled the day, the show would have, would would have failed and probably wouldn't be on the air. It would have been off the air sooner and it probably wouldn't be rerun because right. the show wouldn't necessarily be the sweet uh, thing that uh, everybody wants it to be, that it needs to be. Uh, it serves a purpose in that space. Um, it was never going to be, you know, um, Neil Simon. And, and, and there you go. Here's a guy who's supposed to be working on a Neil Simon comedy who is at this point, um, registered as some kind of genius right yeah. and he hadn't even you know certainly this is early in his arc too um and sherwood isn't you know sherwood had had gilligan's island oh yeah as you know so i can i can see where bob was was sort of you know coming into this with a lot of you know with, with, with a jaundice eye but he uh it must have been the money. That's all I can think of. It yeah. must have, it must have been the money that made it okay. And then and then we made it okay, but there was Sherwood and there was the scripts, and he couldn't get away from that part. Right. Unavoidable. And he had to <laughs> dump on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think it was brilliant on Sherwood's part to always keep it as simple as it was. Because yeah. ultimately the simplicity that even I, as a child and even and as a teenager more so, uh, was having a hard time with. Uh, because it, it, it really wasn't my kind of thing. But I was, uh, the, the fact is that my parents were both, my dad was an actor and my mom was an artist and they both squarely sat uh, on the side of art, which is where Bob was coming from. Not that I knew that they supported Bob's necessarily his opinion. I didn't even know he, he had these, these issues against Sherwood, but my mom always used banal and she hated the show. Mm-hmm. So I always, I grew up in this, this cross current myself. You know, which is the show is, you know, I'm sorry, beneath us. I mean, we're, my dad's an unemployed actor. We're looking at just working, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not ours. You know, well, so. no, it's not. And, and, but, yeah. and at the time, it may not be the kind of thing where somebody could sit there and say, oh, I'm so proud of this show, you know. But 50 years later, the fact that it is a part of the culture the way it is now, okay. <laughs> There's something to be said yeah, for well, that, too. It, and then we come full circle. So I surrendered to the concept of not running from it, you know, long ago in my twenties. Yeah. There's some that are still running from it for their reasons. Uh, but I tried. I thought it was something I needed to really get away from if I wanted to be an actor and be an artist. Um, and then it would get, continue to raise its head through my, you know, my young adult rebel years. And then I realized that wait a second, this thing could be this thing could be around after me. Yeah. It's in every room before me, uh, and it's in the room after me. So how do I make peace with that without having to, like, ignore it or gnaw? It's like cutting off your arm, you know. It it, it comes with you. So, and the fact is, all it engendered was love. So what's the big deal? Why why am I trying to run from this so much? Yeah. And then with that peace comes this seven-year cycle, and it's like it just tickles me. I just don't think that when people say, you're going to do another reunion, it's like, 
No, not you at know, this point, right? Mm. We're just too. We're, there's nothing we could do. There's no we. We couldn't service the brand. I mean, we're too old at this point. One thing you've learned, you, you learn in this business, it's, it's, it's for, it's for, it's for people that help the audience reflect, reflect kindly upon themselves, and through you, they will do that or they won't. And if you've grown up with them and you're no longer what they envisioned you to be, you won't. Right. If you have grown up into something that is something new, but something acceptable, that's good. But no one at a certain age, you know, it's just it's it just doesn't work anymore, especially when it's a kid's show. But this kind of reunion. So I didn't think we'd ever get back together for anything. But so this kind of reunion is is a is a gift. Now you're talking about the HD TV thing, right? Yeah. 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 Because this, this is not about us as characters. This is about us. Um. But showing some love to one of the characters of the show, which happens to be the house. Right. Which is pretty cool. And in, in its own way, it's pretty cool and fun. It's fun. That's I think that's the best word. It's fun. Like, I know I'm looking forward to seeing the show and sitting there seeing how they transform this house into the Brady house. You know, I think it's pretty cool. So uh, it, it's a lot of fun. You, you know, you mentioned the thing about the, some of the cast members running away from it and all that sort of thing. What I wonder is, you know, when you do a show, you sit there and the show ends and you all sit there and say, oh, we'll be friends for life. But when that show ended, was there a strong enough bond created, do you think, that you guys could have imagined? I mean, you wouldn't have said, oh, in 2019, we're going to be together doing this show. But did, did you have that kind of bond where you thought it would be lifelong, that you guys would stay in touch? Oh, those are those are all kind of um, backward, backward thinking awarenesses and concepts yeah. that that you become, I mean, it's the Brady thing itself. The success wasn't in the moment. No. It's grown um, in time. And because it does, when looking back on it, it appears to have been a great, you know, it's a great big success. It's been a great big success because it's, it's proved to never die. Not because it was a great big success in any one moment in time. Right. Um, so it's just always there. And in that way, it's, you know, it's sort of like I don't know, I don't something that's just like like an old slipper or something. But it's not like it's it's what you're going to wear out. You know, you're going to show off. So looking back on it, I don't think there was there was a little bit of a shock. You know, there was sort of a routine, but that was good. I wanted to go back to my high school. I wanted to start really my high school. I'd moved, you know, before. Uh, the the high school was close in where I would go to school. I'd moved, you know, a couple of years earlier and never went to that high school. Um, because in the, it was a three-year high school, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And in 10th grade, we, our, my parents, along with all the other parents sent their children to private school, a, a professional school, if you will, for kids, acting kids which was just absolutely crazy. I, I didn't feel I was getting any education at all. Um, but the reason for that is because there was this Brady act that had come to life and that when the show wasn't working, we were going to work on that. So we needed to have school that was more, um, more capable of understanding the schedules of show kids and, um, public school doesn't necessarily, um, work the same way they, they, you know, you, this was a school built for kids in the industry who were going to be checking in, checking out. Um, and uh, you know, for 10th grade, I had to do that and I hated it. 
And then uh, 11th grade comes around and I'm, you know, working on the last season, which I'd find about in springtime that it was the last season. That let me then um, enter my high school finally halfway through 11th grade, which is something I wanted to do because I knew I, I, I didn't want to at that point be an actor. You know, I was just caught up in it. I kind of wanted to be a scientist and wow. I needed I needed to, you know, take labs. I wanted to, you know boil water. (laughs) And I just kind of wanted to be normal. You know, one of the kids in my neighborhood and, and, um, yeah, I got swept up in this acting thing and it kind of took over. Um, and, uh, really wasn't fully baked at that point. Um, and, and really had a consciousness that I wanted to get out and get baked. You know, I wanted to be a full, you know, fully aware person that had different experiences and explorations. I would have never have picked acting for myself if it wasn't for my dad being in the industry and getting me an agent. Right. Um, I didn't feel, I mean, didn't have a performer bone in me like Barry, you know? Um, and for me, acting isn't performing. It's quite more intimate than, than, than somebody performing on stage and, 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 and performing music and so forth. Like so the Brady kids that, on the road kind of thing, right? I, and I hated that. I, heard I have, that no, I have no talent, no interest in that area. And I got swept up in that. So when the, when it, the show went off the air, it gave me the opportunity to leave this thing that was attached to me at this point behind. I mean, the, the group wanted to continue. I didn't want to have any, um, I didn't want to continue with it at all. I mean, to me, it was it, it was substandard. I mean, here I am, the Bob Reed of the little group. It wasn't it wasn't an interest to me. It didn't serve me. If anything, I loved the work of acting, but not being on stage trying to sing when I couldn't. Um, and uh, none of that attention felt valid to me because it was it was it, to me it was like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to be professional. I can't do this at that level. So who are we who are we kidding here? And it doesn't it didn't nourish me. So you know, at, at was that age sixteen? I said you know no, I'm quitting the group, and um, I'm going back to my high school. And uh, that happened because the show also ended. It wasn't like I had to you know be continue to be a Brady. And did I think about these friends of mine that I was not going to see because we actually that in that tenth grade year I was with them every day. We, we, you know, most, uh, all the other seasons, at least we had some time off and apart from one another. Right. We didn't have any time off and, and it was never apart from one another. And one of the things that, that, um, that I was maybe not fully conscious of, but I would look back on re- uh, and recognize I was growing aware of is that, um, at least with other jobs in, you know, in the business of acting, you're, you become very facile at making friends very quickly that you'll never see again. And these are the Brady's are friends that I'll keep for life because there was such, um, closeness during an important part of our lives that even though we no longer have an excuse to be around each other for really any length of time, there is nobody in my life that I've known for 51 years, you know, right. uh, other than my own brother and sister. And that's it. You know, uh, other friends of mine go back to high school maybe. Uh, but nobody goes back to, you know, when I was 10. Yeah. Um, and the reason that 
you know, these aren't like the other actors is there was much more time spent with them. Uh, and, and the crucible of being that the, a Brady who is continually reminded that you're a Brady. So even though you're not in a show anymore, the experience of this life being a Brady is, is something I have in common with just, you know, uh, now five other people. Yeah. And that continues to bond us if for not, you know, if for nothing else. Join us next week when Chris reflects on the changes he made in his life once the original Brady Bunch came to an end, his feelings about each of the spinoffs that followed, his reality show, My Fair Brady, and much more. And while you're waiting for that, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star review, and spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.